force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to SoftRap, special ops news and information straight from the experts. And now, here are your hosts, Brandon Webb, Jack Murphy, and the rest of the boys at SoftRap. SoftRap.com, on time, on target. First thing I want to get to, have you ever wondered what it might be like to captain some of the greatest warships of World War II? I know for this audience, that probably sounds pretty awesome. So you got to check out World of Warships, the free-to-play historical online combat game from Wargaming. Download World of Warships for free today at commandwarships.com to begin your naval adventure. Make sure you enter the code SPECIALOPS17 when you download to get a ton of bonus content courtesy of SoftRep Radio. That includes a free premium ship, the famous cruiser Aurora, and a pile of in-game currency to jumpstart your epic World War II naval experience. Just download World of Warships today at commandwarships.com and start playing. And once again, the, uh, the code there is SPECIALOPS17, all one word, SPECIALOPS17, and it'll get all that great bonus content, commandwarships.com. With that, back on the show, Alex Hollings, Marine Corps veteran, full-time writer for the site. And the cool thing, man, is now that we're back to being you know two shows a week for free, everybody is going to get to hear this. <laughs> you know, it's been weird, like picking and choosing what I'm giving to members and what I'm not. So now we have like some back stuff. I'll be able to uh, shoot out to you guys in the future. And yeah, both shows each week are for all of you members, non-members. But of course we ask that you guys um, subscri- subscribe to the site and become team room members because for one man, I-, I feel like you more than any other writer is just pumping out like awesome content on a daily basis. And it's just great to see. I appreciate it, man. And honestly, I'm as excited as anybody about, uh, you know, the podcast being free, both shows, uh, if only just because when I go running, I take you with me and it's easier to pull you up in my Apple podcasts than it sometimes is to go through the soft rep app and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, and I've gotten a lot of great feedback on Twitter about it too, but thank you. I'm, you know, and I appreciate you bringing me back on here. No, of course, man. Anytime. Um, yeah, I've been hearing a lot of the echoing the same thing that you just said. Um, Jack has been making a ton of media appearances lately. Um, talking about the Niger situation as I know you've been seeing. Um, so that's why, you know, he hasn't been here. He's doing like his TV thing, which I can't talk about, but it's been, like ages since Jack has been on the podcast and then he's going to do his honeymoon and all that. So he's like a, a very busy man, but I've, you know, you guys have probably yeah, been seeing Jack and Derek Cannon both are like, they're like each one or two appearances away from being too famous to return my calls anymore. They're, <laughs> they're all over the place lately. Yeah. Which is cool to see. And you know what I was going to say um, before we get to some emails and then get into everything was that, uh, this past week of shows was absolutely awesome. Like, I don't always say that, but if you guys haven't checked out everything, I mean, now not only are we doing these two shows a week, but Brandon is doing the Power of Thought podcast each week. So we had um, Jerry Yellen, World War II captain, uh, who flew the last combat mission over Japan on with Brandon. If you haven't checked that out on the Power of Thought, that was awesome. Um, Sean Lake in studio last week. And then Jason Delgado in studio with me, and we had Jeff Gonzalez on, 
who is just an all-around expert marksman, Navy SEAL, and shooting instructor. So it was just a really good week of shows. So I'm hyped for another good week of shows. I have some like great guests booked for uh, Power of Thought coming up. And uh, yeah, just a lot of great stuff. And I see that you've been putting out like a lot of really great articles we're going to get to. I was just looking at that Chinese propaganda game where you uh, clap the loudest for the president of China. I was like, that's I'm telling you, man, they have made propaganda uh, uh, an exact science over in China. <laughs> it's incredible. Internal and external. Does that sound like it's an exciting game, though? I mean, there's, you know, it's funny. Like, I did this library at the top of the show for World of Warships, like, based on World War II. Now, that sounds like an exciting game, clapping for the president of China. I don't know. Not that appealing to me. It's actually, it's even worse. You're not even clapping. You're tapping on a pair of disembodied hands to make them clap. And, I mean, this it's doing gangbusters. It's, it had 400 million downloads in four days. Is over it like, in China. Is it mandatory that you download it if you're in China? I, like I can't it's got to be something like that. Can you imagine how it uh, what the response would be if there was a new game spanning the United States where you would listen to snippets of Donald Trump's State of the Union speech and clap for him and have to compete with others to see who could clap harder and faster. I can't even wrap my head around it, especially like in China it's not President Xi is a popular uh, political figure. Don't get me wrong, but he's not universally beloved. Beloved, I, I I couldn't tell you why why this game is such a hit, but it speaks directly to the way China is looking for new and ingenious ways to kind of influence its own populace and externally as well, especially in movies and stuff. But you know, we tend to think of foreign influence campaigns with Russia and stuff, but. W- we don't always think about how these countries are working to influence their own populations as well. And it's an, it's an ongoing thing, you know, as you can see with this app. Yeah. I feel like you would see the same type of thing for Kim Jong-un. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I would be less surprised to see Well, maybe I'd be less surprised. I'd be more surprised that everyone had smartphones in North Korea, but I would be less surprised to see people giving that kind of just like blind support to a political leader. Uh, But you know, I mean, the propaganda machine in China is strong. Jackie Chan, I know that in America, we tend to think of him as like this action movie star. And I mean, I grew up with Rumble in the Bronx, just like everybody else. Rush but Jackie Chan, is he's a government employee now. Yeah. You know, he's He's been accused time and time again in the Chinese domestic market of making propaganda films, uh, especially directed at India. And, you, know, with, you know, That's neither here nor there. Uh, they're always looking for new and crafty and creative ways to engage, you know, the youth in China and try to sell them on this idea of, uh, you know, Chinese socialism is what President Xi calls it. I think and, that's uh, why people, that really is what it is. It's propaganda. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's why people um, were confused to see him on that list of like highest paid Hollywood actors. Everybody was kind of scratching their heads. at What has Jackie Chan made that was this huge hit recently? But I guess that explains it, right? Yeah, he's been busy. Well, the Chinese market, you have to bear in mind, it's the second biggest movie market in the world now, you know, and that's the reason why so many of our movies now are, you'll see a movie like the most recent Transformers, which was pretty panned here in the United States, but still did just tons of business overseas. Most of that's in the Chinese market, you know, and uh, the Chinese government controls what gets released within their markets. And that's why you'll never see a big budget movie paint China in even a remotely negative light anymore because the Chinese government will literally bar it from being released in their country. And that'll cost a studio 
you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, so as a result, I mean, the most recent Mission Impossible movie had a, a short scene where you could see uh, clotheslines on the top of some of the skyscrapers in China, and they threatened to bar the movie from release in China because of that. And that's not because there aren't clotheslines up there. It's because the Chinese government wasn't willing to allow the American public or Chinese audiences to see the fact that in their skyscrapers, they still don't necessarily have the capability to support a dryer in the penthouse. That is out know, there, man. It's crazy. So, um, like I said, we have some emails to get to, and I was just on the topic of, uh, of recent shows and, uh, Gene Farnsworth, as always had a comment on a recent show. So I figured we'd get to, uh, one of Gene's voice memos. And by the way, you guys could always send voice memos yourselves or, um, or emails to softrep.radio at softrep.com, but we always love hearing from Gene. So here is the first one from Gene Farnsworth. Greetings, my softrep shipmates. Gene Farnsworth here, USN, retired. Really enjoyed listening to episode 293 today, bringing Chief Glenn Daughtery to life via stories. It's not only an honor to him, but lets the rest of us know what kind of people we miss working with during our time in active duty and that I haven't seen many of since I retired. I'm really excited to hear about the Foundation Bubs Company and what they're doing. Uh, I will definitely be going to Bubs to get some collagen, see how that works out, healing up uh, 23 years of knee and back damage incurred while on active duty and uh, the last 30 plus years of mountain biking and running, so I can't wait to get my hand on Bub's Calgian. Uh, once again, you guys continue to do amazing work on the site and on the cast. Uh, episode 300 is just around the corner. Man, oh man, oh man, that is fucking awesome. May you continue to have fair winds and following seas. May the good Lord bless the ground that you walk on. Gene out. I always love hearing from Gene, and he is right. Episode 300, it's coming up next month. That's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I've been here for just about all of them. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We'll have to do something special for episode 300, but I have not figured out what that is yet. Yeah, I actually, I just crossed over my one-year mark with SoftRep over this past weekend. Yeah, and It's amazing how quick that. time flies, man. Yeah, that's true, man. That's That's awesome. Congrats to you. Thanks, but you know what? Well, congrats to me, absolutely, for for landing this job. Because honestly, it is an absolute pleasure working with all the people in soft rep and in Hurricane. And you know, I'm still if a year into the job. I'm still just like excited to be here. You know that means it's a good job. Yeah. Yet you haven't really met many of the people face to face. No, I really haven't. Man. I live out here in the woods of Georgia. You know, every time there's something exciting going on in New York City. I just, you know, like all your pictures on Facebook and pretend I'm there, but I stay inside my cave. Yeah. All right. Well, you're going to be a chat show, though, right? I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. I've okay. got a baby due here in, uh, in just right. about a month. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it all kind of depends on how willing my wife is to let me go to Las Vegas while she stays home with the munchkin, you know? <laughs> Understandable. And also, you don't want to miss out on that experience. Like, chat show is a yearly thing. It's not like you, you won't get to do it another time. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it pans out, you know, because the baby should be a few months old by then. And, and I would love to see it, you know, especially I'd love to meet some of the other writers I talk to every day, you know, face to face. But I'd love to meet some of the readers, you know, oh, yeah. I, uh, 
you start to recognize names in the comment section, you know, and you start to recognize, you know, names when they tweet at you or message me on Facebook. And it would be great to, to get to interact with those people that are the reason I get to do my job, you know? I've met many of the readers, um, but you know what's crazy? I really see how much that the podcast and the company is expanding when I run into people at the most random of places, which I can tell you, um, I didn't even mention this in the writer's room, but it's just, it's happened more and more often. I was getting a haircut the other day, and some dude is like giving me several looks, and I'm like, I don't know what's up here. And he's like, hey, are you Ian from Soft Radio? So like, it's (laughs) crazy in New York City. And then there's been times I've walked out of the studio. I'm on the phone with someone. Like most recently, I was on the phone with my dad, and someone heard my voice across the street, and he's like, hey, you're Ian from Soft Radio, right? So it's great. Meeting. You do have a distinctive voice, man. You really do. Yeah. I feel like people hear the voice first and they know me before they see me, but yeah, it's great meeting the people, but more than anything, like it's, it's crazy to think how big this thing is because Jack has said it before. He's like, I'm just, you know, at my house or at a Starbucks, like typing up these articles. And I don't think of all these people until I see it face to face that are like reading this, this stuff that I'm just, you know, putting out. I, I, no, I it's think totally it's just true. like it me happened to me people. at the Ritz Carlton in Atlanta uh, two weeks ago. I was there for an, for an event and was wearing a soft rep t-shirt and I walked in and the concierge at the Ritz was like, you're from soft rep. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, I'm Alex Hollings. And he was like, Oh, you look a lot younger on in your picture on the website. I was like, yeah, I, it's because I was a lot younger in that picture. On the I, I feel like you look the same, dude. That's- <laughs> I'm, I'm aging like Mickey Rourke over here, man. I'm aging like bad leather. Dude, that's that's crazy, though. Well, we will get to that because that was from the event with the um, the people behind. Thank you for your service, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. I met with the uh, the director, with Miles Teller, who stars in it, and with. Uh, Adam Schumann, who's the guy that it's based on. And uh, to be honest with you, he's the guy I was the most interested in meeting. So it was a great time. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get into that because I'm excited to hear about it. Um, just a couple more emails we'll get to here. Um, I, I, of course, like this one, and you'll see why. This is from Greg. Uh, hey, first of all, you guys fucking rock. I love the podcast. I love the website, and your news articles are outstanding. I think Ian deserves more credit, especially during the opening of the podcast. He is the one voice that's there every podcast. The podcast opener says, now here are your hosts, Brandon Webb and Jack Murphy. Ian isn't mentioned. I think he should be, damn it. (laughs) Sometimes Brandon and Jack aren't even there, like today. And Ian really does an outstanding job on the podcast. First class all the way. Thanks for everything you guys do. Um, and then he mentioned something. Did you about write that email, Ian? I did not. I, in fact, did not write this email. Um, he also <laughs> did mention something about the app for Android could use some tweaking. I think we're, you know, slowly updating everything as, you know, we have a lot of things on our plate. But Chris, our web guy, does an awesome job. Um, yeah. And then he says, keep up the good work. Yeah. Thank you, man. So the reason I read that other than, you know, like complimenting me is that I am, in fact, going to update all the imaging of this podcast now that we have the two shows a week free. Um, I have a lot of ideas in mind that I don't want to give away, but I think next month you'll be hearing, like, totally new imaging, and I'm changing certain... There's going to be a big change, basically. I'll put it that way, that we're going to announce on the next show. You might be able to kind of guess at what it is from things that I've said, but, yeah, Brandon will be here with me. And we're going to announce something. So, like, the, we had one big announcement, which was the two uh, shows a week free, and we're going to have a second big announcement uh, on the Friday show. So, this is exciting, man. I don't even know what 
the next big Do you not? I, I, wasn't sh- I wasn't sure if you would know or not. I, 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 no, I don't think so. I mean, I've, I've gotten some of the good gouge from, for those of you who aren't in the know, SoftRep's leadership had a whole bunch of important meetings here over the past few weeks. And, uh, and you know, what? just like with any company, what happens after those meetings of all the, and the head shed is they send out, you know, email blasts and you talk to your manager and things so that you find out some of the information that, that was exchanged during those meetings and the changes that are happening. You know, they trickle down to you, though, you know, so I, I've heard all about the stuff that pertains directly to me. But over on the radio side of the house and, you know, soft rep TV and stuff, I don't always hear about it until the same time the readers do. You know, so it's exciting. Yeah, it is. And, and the thing about working for like a smaller startup company, even though we're getting very big, is, you know, it, it, when I worked for Sirius XM, you're just one cog in that whole machine. It's just the way it is. It's a large publicly traded corporation. Um, when you're down here in like a boardroom of a dozen to 20 guys who work, work here full time that are here for this meeting, like I threw out the suggestion based on other things that I've seen that, you know, I, I think we should scale back the pay model for the podcast and go to the what we're doing now. And they're like, that works. Let's do it. It's cool that I could just like throw out a suggestion like that and it changes everything, which, by the way, this is how I've wanted to do it all along. But, it, you know, we experiment with some things and some things work better than others. That's but, you know, just having your voice heard by like the CEO and the CEO of the company when you throw out a suggestion is really cool and like makes you realize how valued you are to the place that you work at. You know, I, I can speak to that directly because Brandon Webb is one of those people that I've never met in person, you know, uh, but when the first time I ever spoke to Brandon was actually only a few months after I started working for the site. I, uh, you know, so for, for those of you that, that have been reading my work consistently, you probably already know, uh, you know, I'm big into MMA and, you know, I took a shot to the right eye and uh, went blind in my right eye uh, because of some retina damage. I wasn't and, uh, sure for if you were talking that, about that because I heard I'm about sorry? that. I wasn't sure if you were publicly talking about it because I kind of overheard about it and I was like, all right, I'm not going to bring this up. But that, yeah, that's crazy, man. I didn't want to, you know, say that I, I, I overheard that, you know, but it was in all honesty, like, cause I still have some trouble with it, but uh, you know, it comes and goes a bit, which is neither here nor there, but uh, it was more terrifying than it was anything else. It wasn't sure. necessarily debilitating. I had just never come to terms with the idea of actually losing my sight before. You know, it was really scary. And uh, I got an email from Brandon, which to be honest with you, I almost didn't even open because I assumed there's no way Brandon Webb's sending me an email. You know, I'd, I would work for SoftRep for maybe three months at that point. And, uh, and it was a, it was a personal email from Brandon telling me that he had a friend who was an eye surgeon and that if needed be, he would fly me directly to his friend to make sure I got taken care of. And, uh, that's huge, man. Yeah. I mean, how many companies can you say you work for where you get an email from the CEO, uh, you know, who lives 10 States away telling you that he'll fly you personally to go get surgery if you need it to make sure that you can regain your vision, you know? Yeah. Uh, right then and there, I knew that this is a company I want to be involved with. I, and I realized that a lot of times I sound like a company man because I'm always like, I love this company. But it's because of stuff like that. You know, you treat your employees well and they become good brand ambassadors. Oh, dude, if you're going to say uh, what you just said, you ever see the, um, what's his name again? The guy who now owns the LA Clippers, but, oh, Steve Ballmer. (laughs) 
I have four words for you. I love this company. Yes! <laughs> I had to play that. <laughs> so on that note, though, any, any update with, uh, with what's going on with your vision? Because that's a pretty concerning thing. Yeah, you know, I uh, it was the luck of the draw. What it turned out to be was a, a unique combination of I have a, apparently a pre-existing condition that makes me prone to retinal deformation, uh, which is basically, you know, the retina on the back of the inside of your eye, mine will malform and then create either a blind spot or just total blindness. Uh, and it's not always the same and it doesn't always last for the same amount of time, uh, but I uh, it turns out it's exacerbated by certain medications. It's also exacerbated by having my face smashed in. Uh, and so when, uh, when I was boxing that day and I took a couple oh, you know, real good shots, my, my retina deformed and stayed deformed for months. Uh, so that, that's why you know there's some pictures on my Facebook page of me wearing an eye patch. Uh, it's not that the eye patch was protecting my eye, but it was making it so I was able to read. You know? and, uh, but since then, the visions mostly come back. Uh, but it's still uh, prone to deformation. So anytime that, you know, I get real stressed out and my blood pressure rises, I start to form a blind spot right in the center of my vision, which is just the worst case scenario. Uh, but for the most part, I've bounced back. You know, it comes and goes, but I, I've gotten used to dealing with it. I even can shoot pretty well lefty now if need be. Uh, but for the most part, I try to stick to right-handed shooting. Damn, man. Well, keep us updated that's because like i said i heard about it it wasn't the type of thing i was gonna ask you about well i appreciate it man you know one thing that it's done for me is uh instead of training like i had been you know i had been working with with this awesome uh trainer that he had multiple black belts in a couple different filipino disciplines and that's something that i was unfamiliar with so i was getting some great training with him but uh since then I've started working with uh, with some local teenagers that are just looking to learn self-defense and I'm training them instead, you know, so I'm getting hit in the face a whole lot less and uh, <laughs> and I'm still getting to kind of participate in the culture, you know, and uh, I haven't taught anyone since my McMap days in the Marine Corps, you know, so it's it's been a lot of fun to kind of shift, you know, shift lanes a little bit. It's not as much fun to coach as it is to fight, but it's still fun, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get to the fitness stuff in a little bit because I know that you've been writing about that. Um, but one more email here, and I thought this was a good one from uh, Kieran. Uh, hey, guys, love the show. You guys have been a great source of education regarding SOF and the military as a whole. I'm 19 and about to leave for boot. I eventually want to go to ANS for the 75th or SF. I know with the conflicts in the Middle East dying down with the Iraqis really stepping up against its ISIS problem, as well as Raqqa recently getting liberated in the coming years, I don't see us being as active in the Middle East, or am I wrong? Fast forward three or four years, what do you see the 75th and SF doing as their primary roles? Thank you guys again for all of your hard work, and that's from Kieran. Well... I'll say first and foremost, the best guy to ask that question would be Jack Murphy. Yeah, I knew uh, that but, was coming. But he, well, I don't know when the hell that man is going to be back because he's been. Oh man, he's shooting he's busy. all over the he's place. Busy. He's super busy. I, I'm, you know, I did see him at his wedding, but other than that, I miss him on the podcast. I know all you guys do as well. But uh, you know, the story breaking in Niger this uh, over these past few weeks and stuff like that is a clear example, though, that SF especially is not going to see a significant reduction in op tempo in the coming years. On uh, 
I know that ISIS is effectively being routed out of, you know, Raqqa and Syria and, and throughout most of Iraq. But that doesn't necessarily mean that stability is automatically going to result. You know, there's there's still going to be conflict in that region. And there's definitely going to continue to be conflict throughout the world. You know, the global war on terror, we tend to think of it as a war in the desert, but it genuinely is a global war on terror. You know, people... People talk about Africa now like as though it's this new thing. I deployed to Africa in 2010. You wow. know, we've been in Africa for a long time and we'll stay in Africa for a long time to come. Anywhere that there's poverty, there's the opportunity for influence, right? And in Africa, there's a lot of nations that are struggling economically and they're willing to take support in just about any form that it comes in. Whether that comes from, you know, West friendly or United States or U.S. allied nations or if it comes from terror groups that are willing to come in and raise the standard of living for the people that live there. Uh, you know, it's an ongoing battle that we're just seeing the start of. You know, Africa is going to become an increasing area of emphasis in, you know, in the years to come. But we're not going to see a reduction in the operational tempo for our special operations forces anytime soon. Conventional forces, maybe. We might see a little bit of a downturn in those rotations. But, you know, special forces guys, Green Berets and advisory roles, things like that, we're only going to see more and more and more of that as the years go on. I really think. What was your uh, experience like in Africa? You know, it was it was it was a good time. It was a good time. It was rough for the first week, I'd say. I was part of the advance party that was supposed to prepare an area for for a thousand marine force that was going to show up a week later. And in that first week, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. You know, uh, airdrops were missed. Our convoy that was supposed to resupply us got into an accident and never came. We ended up without food or water for, you know, three days, which at the time was awful. But in retrospect, is the story that you think you're going to get when you when you enlist in the Marine Corps, you know. Uh, but it, it was a good opportunity for me to really get to experience the difference between a military's culture and the government uh, that rules it. Uh, I was in Mozambique for the most part. And the people that were serving in the military in Mozambique really didn't want to be there. Uh, it was just the only avenue for them in a lot of ways. In Mozambique, it's illegal to get a loan, for instance, to buy a car or a house unless you work for the government. Mm. So serving in the military is like your direct route to a sustainable lifestyle, you know, if you're, you're not connected. And uh, it was a really good learning experience for me, both in terms of what I can handle, you know, and, uh, and in terms of, you know, what the world's like out there. I was at a ceremony where they sacrificed a goat you know, 10 minutes before I was meeting the U.S. ambassador to Mozambique <laughs> inside like a gold plated, you know, room. It, it was it was surreal in a lot of ways, but it really hit home for me the idea that a lot of these people are living in desperation. And when you're desperate, you, it doesn't really matter if it's a bad guy offering you a hand. Uh, what you need is that hand. And because of that, we're going to see groups like ISIS and uh, Boko Haram continue to expand their influence in Africa. And we're going to see U.S. Special Operations troops, especially there, uh, to to advise, to help, to assist, and probably to fight, you know, uh, yeah. as as their spheres of influence grow. So keep the emails coming to softrep.radio at softrep.com. That, that sounds like a crazy timeline of what you experienced there. Um, I want to hear about you sitting down with the uh, writer and director of Thank You for Your Service. But before we get to that, 
I want to tell you guys about HelloFresh. I've really enjoyed everything they've sent me. They're on a mission to save home cooking because it's just too good to go away. They want to make cooking more fun, so they focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. They like to think of themselves as a farm-to-box company because they want everyone to have access to fresh ingredients that inspire great meals, but they don't stop there. They're also a couch-to-kitchen company because the best way to kick those 5 p.m. excuses is by feeling unstoppable in the kitchen. They do even more than that. They're proud to be a fork-to-feel-good company because when you cook and eat delicious and healthy meals, you'll want to keep doing it again and again. If HelloFresh could do the dishes for you, they would. Their number one priority, though, is getting you cooking. Now, HelloFresh currently offers customers a classic box, a veggie box, and a family box. Customers order three to five different meals per week designed for two or four people. New recipes are created every week. Their recipes will make you feel unstoppable, and your taste buds will thank you. In six easy-to-master steps, they get you chopping, zesting, and cooking like a natural because most of their recipes take just 30 minutes and require minimal equipment. They are constantly experimenting in the kitchen to let fresh, natural ingredients shine, and they offer ever-changing menus, classic ingredients in a new light, and easy-to-follow recipes to help you avoid that food coma and feel good inside out. Now, HelloFresh sources their fresh ingredients measured to exact quantities needed so there's no food waste, which is really cool. Um, You don't have any confusion over, you know, when you go to the grocery store of how much to buy, and everything was just there and and laid out really simply for you. Um, HelloFresh employs two full-time registered dietitians on staff, who can review each recipe to ensure that it's nutritionally balanced. Nutrition is such an important part of fitness and all that, as you know, we might get to with Alex uh, talking about your old, old, uh, old man fitness column. But HelloFresh is now offering light fall meals and has just introduced breakfast options. I still have to try the breakfast options, but everything else has been awesome. Uh, delicious ingredients you'll love to eat. Simple recipes you'll live to cook. Get cooking for less than $10 a meal. Use the promo code SOFTREP30 for $30 off your first week of deliveries. Visit HelloFresh.com and enter SOFTREP30 when you subscribe. So HelloFresh.com, offer code SOFTREP30. Also, I have to talk about Harry's. Now, currently, I wouldn't say I'm clean shaven, Alex, um, because I just I kind of shave like a couple of times a week. But my beard grows back like ridiculously quick, um, which is kind of like how Brandon Webb is. But he, he never really shaves. He just keeps it. Uh, keeps he maintains that good looking stubble. Yeah, exactly. That, I just end up shaving like a couple of times a week. It's, you know, just being lazy. But I was going to say, even if you're like Alex Hollings and you're a bearded operator, you still have to shave the neck. You know, I, at least I did when I had my beard. It's a, well, not an operator, but just a bearded old guy. <laughs> and and uh, But you're right. And shaving your neck is the worst part of shaving. Yeah. And also having a good razor matters. Exactly. That's why I figured I'd mention that because I'm sure so many of our audience are bearded guys, operator or not. And Harry's is so confident that you're going to love their blades. They'll give you their trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash softrep. Just pay for shipping. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price, which is why over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's. 
Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were fed up with buying overpriced razors, started Harry's to fix shaving. They bought their own German factory with over 100 years of blade-making experience to ensure the highest quality. All products are backed by a 100% quality guarantee. Harry's offers their blades at half the price of the leading five-blade razor, selling directly to you over the Internet. Now, you can claim your free trial offer from Harry's today. It's a $13 value for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Your free trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. To get your free trial set, go to harrys.com slash softrep right now. That's harrys.com slash softrep, and that deal just applies to those of you currently just signing up, because I know we have a lot of return customers for Harry's. Um, with that, I saw the pictures that you got to sit down with Miles Teller and Jason Hall, the uh, writer and director of Thank You for Your Service. And the thing that I laughed at, of course, were, was that they were all wearing collared shirts and someone in the Sofrup Writers Group was like, oh, you couldn't wear a collared shirt. You were in your Sofrup T-shirt and you were like, hey, they're lucky I wore pants. <laughs> Seriously, man, I didn't get a job as an Internet writer to wear pants. You know? <laughs> I love I'm it. in pajamas right now. <laughs> So what was that whole experience like? Because I know for you, you know, as you've talked about before, you're in Georgia, so you're not, you know, entrenched in this whole like Hollywood director scene like some of us in New York and L.A. That's for sure. Yeah. So I'm wondering like what the whole experience was like, because this was probably like a first of this type of opportunity for you, right? You know, it really was. And I have to give them a lot of credit. The, the way it all came about was I went to a critic screening of thank you for your service here a few months ago. And I and, you know, and I'd been interacting with the studio throughout because they really wanted to get a sense of how I felt about the movie uh, to their credit. You know, and uh, so after I saw the movie, I, uh, I went home and I thought about it for a while and they emailed me to ask me what I thought of it. And I didn't respond. And I waited like a day before I, I finally sent them like a pretty long and thoughtful response about how I felt that it was an important story to tell. But I had some concerns about the way that it that I felt it depicted veterans. And uh, I honestly expected their response to be, well, then forget you. We'll just go with a different critic that'll that'll just sing our praises. And instead, they didn't. Uh, the, the studio got back to me and they said, we'd really like you to have a chance to talk to the people who made this movie to see if that they can, you know, address your concerns. And, uh, you know, they didn't put me into the press junket where I was going to sit with each of them for 30 seconds to ask a few quick questions. They, uh, they actual schedule, they scheduled an entire separate interview where I got to sit down with, uh, with Miles Teller, uh, who stars in the movie, you know, Jason Hall, who he wrote, uh, this movie as well as American sniper. He wrote the screenplay for that. Hmm. Uh, but this was his directorial debut. And with uh, with Adam Schumann, who's, you know, the guy that the story was really based on. And, uh, you know, so I, I got to I got a chance to go meet with them in the Ritz Carlton, even though I was not dressed for that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and and sit across the table from them and, and genuinely ask them, you know, all right. So here are my concerns. What's your response? And uh, and I have to say they had good, good responses. You know, my 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 concern with this movie and for those who haven't seen the trailer uh, thank you for your service is a movie about three soldiers who come back from a deployment in Afghanistan and are really struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, and, uh, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, you know, I don't want, I want to stay away from spoilers, but suicide plays a recurring role in this movie. 
And that's something that's really, really important to me. I've, I've lost three Marines that I served with to suicide over the years. One of them I lost while he was under my direct command. And uh, it's a real tough subject for me, you know? So, so this movie was important to me, and I really wanted to know that they got it right. You know, and uh, so when I sat down with them and I talked to them, you know, I told them that and uh, and that I, I want this movie to be to be well received. But I was concerned that all of the veterans that showed in the movie were either struggling or didn't care that others were struggling, you know, and and I felt that that's that's not really fair to the veteran community because we're really supportive of one another. We do tend to eat our own if someone gets, you know, a little bit of success. But when someone's struggling, we tend to, to band together and help them out. And uh, I, I got to give Jason Hall a lot of credit. He could have taken offense to my line of questioning and instead was like, you know, it was an intentional decision basically because uh, Adam Schumann, you know, the real sergeant that this is based on, really did feel that isolated. He really did feel as though there wasn't help that was forthcoming. And they needed to find a way to convey that on the screen. And to be honest with you, that's the best response he could have given me. You know, it really did, dis- you know, assuage some of my concerns because uh, I'm always worried about people perceiving veterans as like, you know, a John Rambo style, yeah. you know, I'm about to fly off the handle at any moment when in reality, veterans really aren't like that by and large. But but in the case of this movie, I get it. You know, it makes sense. And, uh, and, and it's an important story. It really is. So overall, did did you like it minus, you know, your concern, which seems like it was alleviated by their response of, of their intentions? You know, it's 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 a solid movie. Uh, it's not the best movie I've ever seen. I, I don't want to make it seem, seem as though it's, you know, it's the best movie out there, but it's a good movie, but it's a tough one to watch. You know, uh, I've been to this was my only time interviewing, you know, Hollywood types, but I've been to a number of critic screenings before. And usually, you know, going to a critic screening is weird because you go to the movies by yourself in the middle of the day, you know? Yeah. And you're surrounded by other adults that are there by themselves watching this movie in the middle of the day. So when the movie ends, you know, it's not that weird for some conversation to break out, you know, just kind of like get a feel for what the other people thought. And I couldn't do it, man. I uh, I got up as soon as the credits started rolling. I was getting the hell out of there because uh, I was upset. You know, it's. It's really hard to watch a struggle that you've seen firsthand uh, depicted on screen, you know, and they did a really good job of showing that struggle. And I was going to say, I mean, that, I that's to probably go, good on some level because, I mean, a good movie is supposed to make you feel something, and it obviously did make you feel something. It's funny you say that. I, I wrote my review for the movie uh, just a little bit before we came on the air, and that's exactly what I said. Uh, you know, J- Jason Hall set out to you know, elicit an emotional response in his audience. And this movie will do it, man. And uh, for the people out there who've never had to go sit in a VA for six hours, you know, or have never struggled to try to find a way to get help, uh, I, I think that this movie is going to shine a light on on that, you know, very real struggle that a lot of veterans are experiencing that a lot of people uh, are ignorant to, not because they don't care, but just because why would you ever walk into a VA waiting room yeah. unless you needed to, you know? I do and, have to uh, say I appreciate the fact that, you know, you met these guys and, and from what you're saying, they were a couple of great dudes and you're still not um, going to go out there and say it was the greatest movie I ever saw just based off that. Like it shows that you, you're, you have that journalistic integrity. 
Well, you know, and to be honest, I, I was struggling with the idea of asking them tough questions about its depiction of veterans. And I'm glad that I chose to do it because they gave me such good answers. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, this very well could be somebody's favorite movie out there. It just, it wasn't mine. You know, it was a very well put together movie. Uh, the acting was really solid, uh, for the most part. Uh, but you know, there were a couple little things here and there that just kind of, that they could suck you out of the movie a little bit. Uh, maybe just, maybe just because I'm a veteran, I, I don't know, but I would argue that it is a really good, good movie, but more than that, it's a really important movie. You know, like I'm, I'm going to give it three and a half out of five stars, which for me is, is, is a pretty, sure. pretty solid score. Uh, but more, more important than the quality of the filmmaking or whether or not he used Dutch angles appropriately, uh, which to be honest, I don't think he used any, uh, what really matters is that this story needs to get out there. And, uh, Derek Gannon actually was the guy who kind of planted the seed of that idea in my head. He's another writer on SoftRap uh, who's done some amazing work, especially with Africa recently. Uh, but we were talking about a different movie, uh, 12 Strong, I think is what it's called. It's about the first Green Berets that crossed into Afghanistan. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of drama right now about how involved the real guys who did it were in the filmmaking process. And Derek told me, he's like, part of me kind of just wants this movie to get made because the story deserves to be told, even if they don't quite get it right. Yeah. And and there's a lot of truth to that. And I, I feel that same way about Thank You for Your Service. Uh, not everything about the movie rang true for me. Maybe it would for others, you know. Uh, but it's more important to me that that story, that idea of the struggle gets told and gets told in a way that's creative enough that it really does pull that emotion out of you. I, I give Jason Hall, the director of the movie, more credit for yanking that emotion out of me than I do for, you know, getting the the tidbits right about military service or the way that you would interact with one another and, you know, uh, things like that, you know. Do you so worry it, at I all? I would say it's well worth watching. Okay. Do you worry at all that the um, whole veteran movie thing is getting overexposed or, or that it's just getting diluted by all these movies coming out? Because, you know, you got... American Sniper and Lone Survivor and then movies like this, which are different types of movies, but it's it's a lot of them at once. I even think about, you know, like for this audience, the amount of books that come out, you know, I'm staring at the books in the office, whether it's Chris Peranto's book or, um, you know, the many books that Brandon's put out or, or even the fiction books like Brad Thor, who does the military fiction books. For this audience, I already know that you guys can't get enough of it, and which is great. But I'm thinking for a general audience, do you think like the veteran movie and the veteran book is becoming too diluted because there's just too much out there? And I'm thinking about this, like I said, from an objective standpoint, not from you guys who are necessarily like the diehards who want to read every single book that comes out, because I, I realize that the people who listen to this show are not necessarily the mainstream audience who wants to see the occasional veteran story. You know, when I went, I went to grad school for communications with an emphasis on marketing and advertising and market saturation is one of the things that you always have to worry about whether you're pushing out a new brand or you're pushing out a new marketing campaign for an old brand, you know, and the military has rapidly become a brand of sorts, you know, and especially when it comes to books and movies, I'm not as concerned about the market getting saturated with it quite yet because most of the military movies have not been a big budget movies. You know, a lot of them have been independent or close to it. Uh, 
But my concern is more about the facets of the veteran community that are always highlighted in a lot of these movies. You know, Thank You for Your Service is an important film because it talks about that struggle. But it's, you know, I also reviewed Megan Levy, you know, a few months back. Uh, similarly, that movie is not, it's not a war movie, you know, it's a, it's a movie about the struggle of a war fighter after they come home. And I do think that that story is important, but I, I worry sometimes when the only uh, depictions of the military that the general public gets is either American Sniper or Thank You for Your Service, where we're showing either our war fighters out there just, you know, doing, you know, accomplishing heroic feats. Uh, and then coming home and just being a complete mess as a result of the of that heroism. And uh, I think the reality of the veteran experience for most kind of lies somewhere in between. You know, uh, for every one Chris Kyle you have out there, you've got 99, you know, soldiers, sailors, Marines uh, that are that are doing a much less dramatic and sexy job, you yeah. know, but uh, still come home and still face struggles. Uh, but those struggles are often not the same as you'll find in thank you for your service where, you know, in one scene, one of the soldiers, uh, who's I'm trying to remember his name. It's tough to pronounce. It's like Ayeti or something like that. Uh, you know, his wife burns dinner and, uh, and he has kind of a PTSD flashback to one of his friends, uh, burning alive and loses his mind and smashes up the house. And his wife has to, you know, she's pregnant and has to lock herself in the bathroom and call nine one one. And that in my opinion, isn't veterans either. You know, yeah. and I worry that your general public is going to start to see every veteran as a Chris Kyle or yeah. uh, or a guy who's done some of the same things that Chris Kyle did, but might be set off by the smell of burning toast. Uh, when a lot of veterans are really well adjusted guys, you know, Brandon Webb's a great example of a dude who got out and started, uh, you know, a huge company uh, leveraging his veteran experience. Uh you know, I'd like to see more depictions of veterans as regular dudes. I know that might not necessarily make the sexiest movie, uh, but but I worry about the perception that people like my daughter will grow up with uh, when the only exposure they'll have to my military service is through movies like that, you know? Well, you know what? I would say for your daughter, it'll be different because you're going to have so many veteran friends that she'll probably meet, I would think. Um, but, but I agree with what you're saying, because I think there's so many people in the country. Um, you know, I have plenty of veteran friends even before this podcast, but especially through this podcast that, I, you know, I know that they are regular dudes, but of course there's like the guy who, who lives, I don't know where, but who doesn't have one veteran friend. And you're right. Their only perspective on what the veteran experience is, is what Hollywood puts out. Yeah, and like I said, with with thank you for your service, veteran suicides obviously a very real and legitimate concern. You know, I know that the statistic isn't technically twenty two veterans a day; it's like twenty one and change. Uh, but to me, that's that's semantics. the The truth of the matter is, veterans are killing themselves. The thing is, is that depression, at least in my experience, uh, doesn't usually manifest itself in violent ways. You yeah. know, I. I think that your average depressed or PTSD stricken veterans experience is more quiet drinking in a basement than it is punching through walls and doors and, and scaring your family. And uh, so it's good that we're, we're shifting towards the idea that veterans are struggling and do deserve help. But I think it's just as important that we focus on the fact that 
those struggles are not necessarily a reason to not hire them. You know, uh, it's not a reason to be worried about one dating your daughter. Yeah. Uh, they may have struggles, but uh, just be aware that usually they manifest themselves in, in more benign ways, I guess. True. And and what you're saying also reminds me that I got to see Big Mountain Heroes, the documentary that we did and we're putting out soon, um, you know, that Nick Cahill helped film and that stars Brandon Webb and Leo Jenkins and Nick Betts and all those guys. And it it is exactly what you're looking for in a veteran film of just showing you know, the whole idea of the, the tagline being thrills before pills and these these guys going out and doing regular guy things, skiing and snowboarding these Alps in Europe that are just beautiful and enjoying their time and, and saying like, hey, this is how we're getting our stress out rather than going to the VA and, and taking these pills that could be deadly. Yeah, you know, the op- the opioid epidemic in this country is for real. And I, I can speak from personal experience. On my way out of the Marine Corps, I had six surgeries in two years, man. Wow. You know, and uh, throughout that time, you know, I had a, a steady and refillable prescription to Vicodin and then Percocet and then whatever else because, you know, maybe this one was upsetting my stomach. So instead of pulling me off of it, we would just switch to a different one. You know, and uh, on top of that, lots of anti-anxiety meds, you know, uh, Xanax and Valium and they were they were eager to give me whatever I felt like I needed to get through the day. And I and I can understand and appreciate it. But uh, it ended up being uh, it ended up causing some some trouble for me. I'm fortunate that I always had a really good support structure. My wife is an incredible woman, you know, and uh, when it came to the point that I was drinking too much and I was taking these pills, uh, not necessarily because I was hurting, but because I was trying to make sure I didn't start hurting, you know, and I'd. Uh, I, I didn't even really need her to tell me I needed to stop. I just needed her to give me that look a couple of times, you know, that concerned, you know, you know, the worried wife look and, uh, and it made me go, Oh shit. You know, I, I really, instead of just doing this on autopilot, I should start playing an active role in deciding how I self-medicate, you know, and I'm not going to tell you that, uh, I no longer self-medicate. I drink like an active duty Marine, which is <laughs> too much, uh, but, uh, but I, I try my best to to keep my eyes on the horizon now, you know, and, uh, but I can see how easy it would be to have lost sight of it. Uh, and, and a lot of people do. So how did you, know? you get and, off uh, most of that stuff? Say again? How did you get off most of that stuff? You know, to be honest, it, it's easy. It was easy for me in a, in a couple of ways. Uh, I'm like the same thing with my fitness game and stuff like that. I'm, I'm all about self-discipline yeah. except like, at midnight, <laughs> right around midnight <laughs> is when my discipline goes out the window and I just start like powering the cookies down and washing it down with vodka. And, and it doesn't but, uh, help that we have a job that we could work on our own schedule. Like there's no, you have to be up at 6am with this job. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, but for me, what it really came down to was at first I stopped with the painkillers. Uh, but, uh, I realized that I needed to stick with the antidepressants to be honest with you. Uh, I've, I've come on and off of them over the years, uh, but, you know, just the combination of losing friends and then lots of surgeries and I was medically retired from the Marine Corps, so it wasn't really my choice and I struggled with that for a while. Uh, I'm just, I'm better. I'm more level uh, as long as I stay on some of these medications. But for the most part now, I try to avoid the strong painkillers if at all possible. You know, I'm, I'll just keep loading up on Motrin and laying on the couch until my knee works again if, if, if I can. Yeah. And I think the fact that you're physically active, it it plays a huge role in in you recuperating from certain things, which we should get to 
uh, your old man fitness column, which I'm wondering, like, is is the title like a little bit tongue in cheek? Because from what I know, I don't know your exact age, but aren't you along with me like one of the younger guys at the site? Yeah, I'm not that old, man. I'm only 32, but uh, yeah, I'm I, 31. I, we're we're like the two youngest guys at the site, probably. I mean, other than you know, like Nick Cahill. When I say old man fitness, though, I don't necessarily mean how old I am in years. It's more a concern of mileage. Yeah, and know? also post post uh, service fitness, I guess. But it is just kind yeah, of funny. You know, when I think old man college, fitness, I think of you know maybe a guy like Gene Farnsworth who just left a voicemail. Like I know he's an older dude. You know what, though? I bet you that guy could kick my ass. So, you know, it's good that I, I need to focus my workouts in a way that, that allows for, uh, you know, I've got a lot of the same injuries that an older guy would have. You know, I had I had two surgeries on one knee, one on the other, two surgeries on one of my ankles. I've got a metal screen uh, that replaced a portion of my abdominal wall. I've got a couple of slip discs in my back. You know, I've got... I've got, you know, the laundry list of injuries that you'd find in your average, you know, 50-year-old. I just got there sooner, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, you know, and the I, blindness I thing to, doesn't help. Say again, I'm saying the blindness thing doesn't help in, in all that as well. I mean, you've just had some yeah, crazy man, I, I'm a situations. Mess. I'm a mess, you know, but, uh, because of that, I stopped working out for a little while, you know, and uh, I gained a bunch of weight and I felt real bad about myself. And, uh, and I realized that just because I can't work out the way I used to doesn't necessarily mean that I can't work out. You know, I used to work out like it was a fight. I wanted, I wanted to go win a fight against the weights, you know, and, and now I have to work together with the weights, you know, I've got to adjust uh, my form in certain lifts to make sure I don't aggravate back injuries. I have to, you know, shift the way I do squats to make sure that I don't mess with my knees, you know, things like that. And, uh, but it, it was, it all really started because of the common marketing trope that you see all over the internet with, uh, here's how to lose all your extra weight in 10 days or, this magic pill will get you that six pack that you wanted. You know, this new workout plan is the only one that can help you achieve your goals. And it's just not true, man. Yeah. Your average person's goals are not to look like the fitness model on the cover of bodybuilding, you know, magazine. Your average person's fitness goals are to make sure that the stomach doesn't stick out further than their chest. You know, it's to make sure that they could win a fight if they had to. You know, or to make sure that they could walk three miles to a gas station if they needed to, if their car ran out of gas. You know, those are realistic fitness goals that a lot of us might not be in a position to achieve, but that should be what we're striving for. And, you know, once you get there, if you want to make, you know, higher, more difficult goals, maybe you want to compete in a 5K or run a whole marathon. But but you have to approach it in a realistic fashion. You're not going to lose 40 pounds in a week, you know, no matter how crashed the diet is. And when you do a crash diet like that, you often end up gaining the weight right back as soon as you're off of it because you didn't adjust your lifestyle at all. You just stopped eating for a week. Yeah. You know? Uh, so what I really wanted to try to do was start shining a light on regular person fitness. You know, uh, the idea that you can lose weight just by burning more calories than you take in, you know, is, is something that's lost to a lot of people because we think that you need Nutrisystem or, Weight Watchers or SlimFast, uh, you know, when in reality, just be mindful of of what calories you drink, for instance. You know, we drink tons and tons of calories all the day. Lord knows I do, usually in the form of potato-based booze. <laughs> but, you know, but like uh, my most recent article was about cheating in the gym, you know, because uh, when, you, when you've been working out for as long as I have, uh, you've played every role. You've been that young new guy who thinks you know everything and you want to impart wisdom 
on other strangers, you know, you've been that big guy that people ask for advice. And then you've also been that old guy that people try to correct you when you're rocking your hips a bit, when you're doing curls. And the reality of it is I'm all about cheating, man. Like if I, if I'm aiming for 10 reps on this lift and I'm failing at seven as I should be on my last set, you know, I'll rock my hips a little bit and get that curl up because that's better than not doing it. If you're competing, that's not, that's not true. Uh, when you're doing squats, you need to make sure you maintain good form so you don't get hurt. But there are times when it's okay to cheat a little bit, you know, just like with the diet, give yourself a slice of cake every once in a while. Otherwise you're going to say, fuck it. Need a whole cake. Eventually yeah. when you're, when you're working out, give yourself an allowance to screw up a little bit here and there to help get yourself stronger. You know, very true, man. You know, it's funny. I was looking at the comments from um, our subscribers on the articles and I was, I was actually surprised to see a pretty considerable amount of female readers who were digging these articles. You know, I'm, I'm really glad to see it too, because one of the biggest myths in the fitness industry is that women shouldn't lift weights. Uh, you know, that women worry about getting bulky and muscular, you know, that angular look that men aspire for, you know, women tend to want to avoid, but it's just not the case, man. Uh, lifting weights as a woman can really help improve your overall fitness. It's not going to make you look manly. It takes a whole lot of work and a whole lot of testosterone to become a big guy, you know? Uh, and women might put in a whole lot of work, but genetically, hormonally, they're not going to be as prone to muscle development as a man would be. So if you and I sit here and work out the same amount of time, me and a woman, but uh, she's not going to bench press 350 pounds, uh, like I am when, when all is said and done, it's going to take more for her to get there. Uh, instead what lifting weights will do for a woman is it'll improve her overall fitness. It'll make her physically stronger. It might improve endurance depending on how you lift. And it'll make you overall healthier, you know, but, uh, but our, our aesthetic concerns are what always stop us. You know, women don't want to get bulky. Men want to get bulkier, you know, so we tend to have men will avoid cardio and women will avoid the weights and we all need to be doing all of it. You know, you if know? you go to, uh, the gym I go to, I go to a UFC gym, which I love. It's like 24 seven. I will tell you, Alex, there are a ton of like hot chicks lifting weights constantly that fit like that IG fitness model type. I love it. I'm, yeah, I'm telling you, I've got a lot of good friends that uh, that are big in the fitness world. I used to work as a personal trainer for a little while, you know, nice. 30 pounds ago. And uh, I've got a lot of friends that stuck with it, you know, and now uh, especially female Marines who do figure competitions and stuff. And uh, I'm telling you, man, when when these girls are prepping for, for a competition and they're posting pictures up on Facebook, no one's thinking, oh, that girl's got too many muscles. No, you know what? You know, Everything you're saying is true. The thing that I think is always like the telltale thing is if a woman has like what you would describe as those pumpkin delts, then she's probably yeah. on some type of gear. That's fair. That's fair. You right? know, and when like, it comes to working out dirty, uh, you know, it's... I'll say this. I am not going to criticize anybody for using steroids. Lord knows if I had ever had an opportunity when I was younger, I probably would have jumped at it just because I was always an athlete and they weren't testing you for steroids when you played football for the Marine Corps and stuff. Oh, wow. Probably would have been a much better player. Um, but, uh, you know, on the long term, on the long timeline, you want to avoid, you know, the gear. And yeah. uh, the reason is, in my opinion, and, and I learned this from a master sergeant a long time ago. He's a master guns now. He was like, if you start taking steroids in high school, uh, you're going to bottom out in college. And if you start taking them in college, you're going to bottom out after college. 
whenever you start taking steroids is when you start the end of your fitness career, you know, because eventually you're going to have to cycle off of them. You know, you might not be able to afford to cycle back on. It's going to be a lot harder to maintain the gains that you got, you know, when you were working out dirty, uh, you know, aside from the, there's a litany of medical problems that could follow, but there's a lot of them that won't, you know, uh, if you, if you pay enough for the stuff, uh, it's usually pretty safe, but, but what you're basically doing is you're admitting that you're done after this, in my opinion, you know, I'm sure that there are listeners out there who might be all about the juice and, and will disagree. Uh, but I, I, I genuinely think that when you decide to resort to that, it means that you think you're on the tail end of your fitness career. You know, and, I feel uh, like it's becoming more so prominent, if, though. It, you know, it's there's a lot of guys who are starting to like pick up steroids immediately when they start going to the gym, which is not a good move. But I, I do think a lot of it is because of Instagram, man. Dude, I'm telling you, well, m- the modern idea of what the male body is supposed to look like. I mean, if go back and watch that first X-Men movie that came out in like 2000, you know, and look at Hugh Jackman running around the X mansion with a shirt off and he just looks like a dude. He looks like your dad, you know, <laughs> he's like, just like a regular guy with a hairy chest and a dumb haircut. Uh, and then you fast forward 16 years, the dude's in his like mid to late forties now. And he is cock diesel. Yeah. You know, he's 0% body fat, probably weighs 230 pounds of straight muscle. And that's the, that's how we've shifted the idea of what the male form is supposed to look like. in just the last 20 years or so, you know, and so when you're a young guy, I can see, I mean, when I was a young guy, I had every supplement that you could imagine that you could buy at the GNC on base. I had in my locker, you know, some of them I felt like worked, some of them didn't work, uh, but it was important to me that I had that six pack. And well, and once I started fighting and I was cutting weight, it became even more important to me uh, that I was losing weight. But the idea that we have that men have to have, you know, 3% body fat or less, uh, and they need to be able to bench press 400 pounds just to look like a dude, you know, it's, it's going to increase the need for, for people or the, the desire I'd say for people to want to do steroids. But I'm telling you guys out there, I was asked the other day by uh, this dude who mows my lawn and he, he was like, man, you know, you're a real big guy. How'd you get that big? And, uh, if you, those of you who saw my old man fitness articles, you saw when I was 22, I weighed 155 pounds. Wow. You know, and I, I weigh 255 pounds now. Uh, Damn, granted, dude. some of that is potato chips. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when he's like, you know, you must work out all the time. And I was like, it's not so much that I work out all day. It's that I work out every day. And I have for 10 years. Oh, wow. You know, I, I definitely I took time off. I obviously I th- I've taken months off here and there for injury or just because I was in a slump, you know, we all, we all fall off sometimes, but more or less consistently I've been at it since, you know, 2006 when I first enlisted and that's what it really takes to, to be a big guy uh, on the day to day basis without doing steroids and stuff is commitment. You know, yeah, this job also, this job makes it so that, you know, you could, you could get those workouts in, which I love. And, and like our copy editor, Christian, who's also a former Marine, I know he's always working out and, and yeah, it gives you the freedom and less excuses to not get it in that day. I would say it does. And it doesn't, you know, I write four articles a day, uh, which means I, I am at my desk, you know, but 12, 14 hours a day easily, uh, but I get to dictate when those 12 to 14 hours lie. Exactly. You know, I, uh, like I, my older brother, you know, who's, uh, he works in the racing industry. He works out a lot as well. He played uh, division two college football, used to be a kickboxer. 
And, uh, you know, and he's still, he's still at it. You know, he's 35 and he's working out hard. And, uh, but he and I both complain to each other all the time about not having time to get our workouts in, but that's not really the case. Even if you're a real busy person, you know, and, and I'm a real busy person as is he, uh, if you treat your workouts like a commitment that you made to someone else, it's a lot easier to, to fit them in. You know, uh, when Ian, when you called me and you're like, Hey man, you know, we want to have you on the show. I was like, great. What time? He said one o'clock. And I was like, okay, so at one o'clock I'm committed. You know, I'm not going to do something else during that window of time. It's, it's a, it's a commitment that I've made the same way. When you and I get off the phone, I'm going to head down to my basement and I'm going to work out for an hour because I made a commitment to do that as well. And if I don't think of it as a thing I'm doing for me, but if I think of it instead as a requirement I need to fulfill, it's a lot easier not to skip it. You know what I mean? That's why a lot of people get personal trainers too. More than anything, is that they they have to make that commitment. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it gives you uh, like this social responsibility to maintain. Honestly, that's a great thing about social media. I know everybody likes to pick on the people who post gym selfies. I'm a fan of gym selfies, man. If taking a selfie at the gym when you go is enough to make you feel good about having gone, do it, man. Post that gym selfie. Throw an Instagram filter on it to make you look bigger or skinnier <laughs> or leaner or whatever it is that you want to do so that you can feel good about what you did and come back and do it again tomorrow. Yeah, you know? but make sure you actually uh, get a workout in and that you're not just doing a photo section. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, <laughs> the, the big reason why I've got a weight bench in my basement, there's a gym right down the street I used to work out at all the time. I'm not a social lifter. I'm an angry, quiet, blasting music lifter. I'm furious at the weights. I'm trying to get through this workout because I'm mad at it and I'm mad at me for hurting. And when it's all said and done, you know, it's a cathartic experience. It I is. feel better. I, you know, I, I go and lay on the floor for a while and, and feel accomplished. Uh, so I like to work out by myself. But yeah, if you want to take some time to, to pop a quick selfie, pop a quick selfie, man. But yeah, uh, if you go to the gym to have a conversation by the bench and then take turns taking selfies, we're not friends. Yeah, I don't like you. Fair enough, man. Um, well, you're also working on an upcoming story on CIA archives, and I wanted to hear all about that. Oh, man, the CIA is an awesome. They've got an awesome website. You know, I, I spend so much time on government websites that are dry because they have to be, you know, uh, dry, tough to navigate. Sometimes it's as though that they don't expect an audience to actually come to the website. They've prepared them all for an auditor to come in and check out to make sure that they hit the wickets. The CIA, on the other hand, has a really fun website, especially if you go digging through their Freedom of Information request archives. Everything that someone has requested uh, through a FOA, they leave posted in this database. And you can find stuff about flying saucers. You can find stuff about uh, KGB uh, you know, influence campaigns. You can find magazines that for some reason they felt as though they needed to save and classify Uh, A couple of months back, I found an entire study that they did about ESP, where the doctor who actually conducted the study concluded at the end of it that she believed that psychic powers were legitimate and could be weaponized. You know, there's crazy stuff in there. Uh, And the story that you're talking about, I recently found a declassified, which means it was once classified, list of jokes about the Soviet Union that the CIA had prepared for one of its deputy directors. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I don't know the story behind it because all you get is, uh, you know, here's a declassified document uh, that you can see the, the scanned PDF of. Uh, the jokes aren't very good, um, but it's about two pages of jokes that somebody had to sit there and write. 
I guess so that the deputy director of the CIA would have some good jokes to crack at, you know, public functions or during speeches or some of them are, are a little, they're not off color, but they, they insinuate wanting to assassinate Soviet leaders. So I don't know if they would have been used in mixed company, but it, it's the, you can find the weirdest stuff on there, man. It's great. Interesting. All right. And then also I saw that we got a tweet when you said you were coming on, um, on the topic of declassified stuff. Um, I guess just really quick, your feelings on the JFK files being declassified and coming out there, which my dad is a huge history buff for the JFK assassination stuff. And he clarified to me that this was going to come out anyway. Of course, Trump could have stopped it, but this wasn't, you know, a Trump idea as it's kind of being put out there as. You're 100% correct. It was established that this was the year that all the information would be released decades ago on but you're right. Donald Trump feasibly could have made the decision to uh, to bar its release. And he did say on Twitter when he talked about it, he was like, you know, pending a review of more information or something along those lines. I'm, I'm going to let it be released. I Honestly, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Those documents will be released and will show nothing that conspiracy theorists will be excited about, because if they would, they wouldn't be released. Yeah. You know, it's it's as simple as that. Uh the, the government is not going to set a time frame to declassify the fact that the CIA assassinated JFK. They could also you black know? out certain parts still, right? Oh, absolutely. They can like absolutely this, redact information. Yeah, just like the Saudi you know, Arabia I, pages that got released. You know, there was still certain stuff blacked out. You know, when I when I was uh, working at INI, which is Inspector Instructor Training, I was training reservists uh, for 25th Marines. And we would have audits, you know, where uh, the... Headquarters Marine Corps would send Marines in to look at everything that we did and make sure that we were doing things right. And, you know, I was really good at audits because I had this understanding that they're only going to dig into what you present to them to dig into, you know? So if they're going to come and they're going to dig, they're going to look through 20 of our files on this because they want to make sure we're doing this right. I'm going to make sure that we've got 20 perfect files, you know, and uh, I'm going to make sure that I've got good answers for any questions that they have. The CIA is not dumber than me. You know, they're, they're not going to, they're going to present us with the information that we need to be presented when we need to be presented it. But they're not going to hand us a smoking gun and say, not that the CIA was involved with the JFK assassination. I want to clarify that. Uh, but if they were, they wouldn't go, oh, well, by 2017, it should be cool for us to let everybody know. That's not how it works. Yeah. You know, so, so I really do think that uh, the release of these documents It'll be a real interesting news day because there's going to be a couple of fun tidbits that we can pull out, especially for history buffs. But I, I don't think that there's going to be any big revelations. I don't think that anybody will be shocked by what we find. Yeah, that seems to be the same consensus my dad had. And he has read so many books on the JFK assassination. It's one of his favorite topics. You know, he's always been fascinated by it and, you know, lived through it. So I, I understand why. It's like people of our generation being fascinated by the events of 9-11 and, just like people wanted to see those 28 pages of Saudi Arabia, which uh, I referenced earlier. Um, I wanted to mention, of course, the Remembrance Rumble is coming up for Veterans Day and Remembrance Day in the UK. Uh, so if you're in the UK, you could buy tickets to that. Um, and SoftRep will be in attendance. It'll be US Soft once again versus UK Soft. But for those of you in the US, uh, particularly by me in New York, 
Emmett O'Looney's 210 West 50th Street from 1 to 4 p.m. My friend Andrew Wilkow is going to be doing his Freedom Ride. They're going to be collecting money for different charities, including the Red Circle Foundation, um, Horses for Heroes out of Santa Fe, New Mexico, which Rick Iannucci, former Green Beret, runs. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that guy. Really nice guy. we got to get him on soon. Um, so, yeah, that'll be from 1 to 4 on Veterans Day, which is a Saturday, 210 West 50th Street. They're going to be doing that whole freedom ride um, of motorcycles across 50th Street. Uh, so I'm really excited. I'll be there. I'll see a bunch of you guys. I'm sure it's going to get packed out. Um, if you can make the trip out to New York City for it, be there. Or if you're in the U.K., be there for the Remembrance Rumble. Um, anything else that you want to promote out? I know that you always have your Instagram and stuff. And, and since we were talking about lifting, you always uh, keep uh, up to date with all that on there. Oh, yeah. Well, by all means, please follow me on Twitter. You know, I'm uh, at Alex Hollings 52 on Twitter. That's probably where I, I interact with readers the most. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Alex Hollings Writer. And you can find me on Instagram at Archetype 52, uh, which, you know, just just Google that. You'll find it. And uh, you're not going to find anything like, like Ian says. It's not all that interesting to follow me on Instagram unless you're into you know, gym selfies or pictures of cups of coffee because those are pretty much the only two things I do. I think it's inter- inter- uh, I think it's interesting, man. I like it. I appreciate it. I've got to tell you, you're pretty good on social media. You're like, sometimes I log into Twitter just to see what it is that you're sharing. Yeah, and I mean, I just have the uh, Soft Rep Radio Instagram. I don't even use my own at the moment. But um, yeah, no, I, I try to do my best. I think the difference between the Soft Rep Instagram and Twitter and the Soft Rep Radio is that because I'm running those, it's like a lot of what's going on here in New York. And and we have like more of this big personality, I think, that people could see the office and who's coming through here and what everybody's up to on a regular basis, especially because of the fact that I'm in New York, Brandon and Jack are in New York, and so is Jason Delgado. So we just have like a big presence here. Yeah, New York City's the beating heart of soft rap. Absolutely. You know, it's cool for me, man, because I've never been to the studio, so I get to see it, you know? Yeah, ex- exactly. And everybody gets to see who's coming through at all times. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. So, yeah, as always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at soft rep radio. Uh, I, of course, got to tell you guys that as a reminder for those of you who are listening for a limited time, you can receive a 50% off membership to soft rep TV our channel that offers the most exclusive shows, documentaries, and interviews covering the most exciting military content today. SoftRep TV's premiere show, Training Cell, follows former Special Operations Forces as they participate in the most advanced training in the country, everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, climbing, and much more. Again, you can watch this content by subscribing to SoftRep TV at softreptv.us and take advantage of a limited time offer of 50% off your membership. So that's only $4.99 a month. So with that, you know, you can become a team room member for less than 10 bucks a month, become a SoftRep TV subscriber for less than five bucks a month. Um, we're really making all this great content affordable and as well as now the podcast being free. So leave a review, please, for us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't got a chance to check out the SoftRep Crate Club, you're definitely going to want to do that ASAP. It's a subscription to get a box of badass tactical and survival gear delivered to your door every month. Here's the kicker. All of the gear is handpicked and tested 
by former special ops guys so you know you're getting quality gear that's going to work when you need it to. Crates we've sent in the past have included gear like custom knives, multi-tools, fire starters, EDC med kits, and other kick-ass stuff. You don't just get great gear with your subscription. You're also supporting a veteran-owned and run company. Plus, our Crate Club subscribers are invited to our annual club party. We had that in Vegas this year. We're going to have it again in January. As Brandon also mentioned on the last podcast, in New York City, Jim West is also going to be doing a soft rep uh, Crate Club exclusive uh, fighting class. At Emmett O'Looney's, which is pretty damn cool. I mean, there's no one who knows. That is awesome. I'm yeah, so no. jealous that I'm not going to be there for that. Yeah, there's no one in the world who knows, like, the art of bar fighting quite like Jim West. <laughs> like, he's the most feared man in the world. <laughs> I love Jim. Uh, to subscribe and start getting your gear, visit CrateClub.us. We also have gift options available. That's CrateClub.us. Last thing I'm going to mention here. Uh, have you ever wondered what it might be like to captain some of the greatest warships of World War II? If you're a part of this audience, you probably have. So you should check out World of Warships, the free-to-play historical online combat game from Wargaming. Download World of Warships for free today at commandwarships.com to begin your naval adventure. Make sure to enter the code SPECIALOPS17, that's all one word, SPECIALOPS17, when you download to get a ton of bonus content courtesy of SoftRep Radio. That includes a free premium ship, the famous cruiser Aurora, and a pile of in-game currency to jumpstart your epic World War II naval experience. So just download World of Warships today at commandwarships.com, promo code SPECIALOPS17, and start playing today. I think you guys are really going to dig that. Check it out, Command Warships. Uh, and I think that that's it, man. This has been a great show. Hey, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Alex. been listening to Softwork Radio, a part of Hurricane Group. The difficult done immediately. The impossible by appointment only. Shows are recorded at our studio in Chelsea, New York City. Special thanks to our producer and co-host, Ian Scotto. Follow the show on Twitter at Softwork Radio.